Clear prop. Star 73 is Cherokee, number two, following twin traffic, three mile final. There's something One trailer Bravo, Rakesford in runway 25, going uh, four mile final. This is Behind the Prop with United Flight Systems owner and licensed pilot Bobby Doss and his co host, major airline captain and designated pilot examiner Wally Mulhern. Now, let's go Behind the Prop. What's up, Wally? Hey, Bobby, how are you? I am fantastic. This week we're going to take on a technical subject. We haven't done this in a while. We've we've kind of done some interviews. We've done some topics on weather and knife flying and those sorts of things. But this week we're going to take on a technical topic that you deal with almost on a daily basis, uh, probably a daily basis between check rides in your flying career, and that's weight and balance. Today is all about weight and balance. How many weight and balance calculations do you review on a weekly basis? Quite a quite a few uh especially checklist uh check rides um you know in the i'm i'm looking at the private pilot acs right here and under pre-flight preparation one of the skills elements is it says the applicant demonstrates the ability to compute the weight and balance correct out of center of gravity loading errors and determine if the weight and balance remains within limits during all phases of flight so um I'm going to give uh, the applicant a scenario to where they have to kind of recalculate things, whether it's um, we're going to remove something or add something or shift something around in the airplane. And, um, you know, I'm going to going to look to see that they have the ability to uh, um, correct if there's if we're out of balance, how what we can do. What to the what's the sentiment uh, I'm sure everyone listening cares. What's the sentiment of DPEs on having it done handwritten in a table or in Excel or in ForeFlight or from the POH? So I got to take a picture and use their table from their example. What What is the sentiment? What are you expecting from an applicant as it relates to calculating that weight and balance? Oh, I... I all of the above are fine, just as long as they understand. There's some concepts with weight and balance that um, um, some people are, are a little bit um, uh, maybe not as knowledgeable as they might should be, in my opinion. Um, for instance, you know, again, the vast majority of our uh, people that are being trained are flying in usually 172s or uh, uh, single-engine pipers. And, you know, after you do a couple of weight and balance, you realize that full fuel and the two of you, you and your instructor, um, fit in the airplane and and weight and balance is not an issue. Um, So you kind of have a mindset that two people in the front seat of a single engine airplane and full fuel is never an issue. And that's that's just not the case. I mean, I I, in my Saratoga, if if myself and another 200 pound individual were in the front seat with full fuel, we would be uh, out of the forward limits of our center of gravity. So if I'm ever in a situation like that, either A, we can't go with full fuel, which we can we can go with 70 gallons rather than 102 gallons. That usually works. Or I need to pass some weight in the, the, the back of the airplane. And, uh, you know, then you have to figure out, well, boy, if we're going from point A to point B, to pick up people to bring them back to point A, um, and I throw an extra 150 pounds in the back of the airplane. Um, how's that going to affect my takeoff from point B coming back? So, 
um, you know, there's some, some things that you need to work out. That sounds like a commercial check right there, Wally, where I got to go pick people up and drop something off and make sure I'm doing everything right. Gives yeah. me flashbacks to that day. Yeah. But it's the real world. And, it is. And it, as you mentioned, we all sit around fly schools and trainers and doing some time sh- time building together. It's 92% of the time just two of us in the aircraft. And we get a little bit used to the fact that full tanks and two average-sized people are probably just fine. But the real world happens once we start doing some real flying and yeah. we take our family places and now we get the third and fourth passenger and people seem to be somewhat confused and scrambling on trying to calculate that stuff. Yeah. And and the way of the future, we talk about it a lot, is is electronics, right? We're going to, I think a spreadsheet was the creme de la creme five years ago and right. pretty much everyone that flies now probably has their profiled aircraft in for flight right. or their electronic flight bag and they're probably putting it into that tool and then using that tool to say pilot is x co-pilot is y backseat has x luggage compartment has this much and then what the beauty of for flight is the the multiple fuel settings that i can have right so right. i can have full fuel to the tabs dipstick it at 10 gallons aside if I want to, whatever, I can understand exactly the fuel loads that I have and have multiple of them in four flight or any electronic flight bag for that matter. Yeah. Um, which really makes it easy for me to know where I need to be. Yeah. But I need to make sure that, that all those things add up to the right, to the right numbers. And then I'm in balance and then I have the right takeoff loads for me in the one eighty two that I fly more often than not, there is a max ramp weight a max takeoff weight and a max landing weight um and i assume in an emergency i'm gonna land no matter what of course but i have to be cognizant of that additional 300 pounds that i have to burn off before i land right uh, that's that's a lot of flying if i'm going to take off with max takeoff weight and then land somewhere and not that's 50 gallons of fuel that I got to get rid of, right? Yeah. That's, that's not yeah. a, it's not a short trip. It's not yeah. a really long trip, but it's not a short trip either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I, you know, I'll, I will ask on checks, I, I'll say, what, what's the max takeoff weight of our airplane? And, uh, I'm, I'm really a little bit surprised that it's just not on the tip of the tongue for most people. You know, they, they can't tell me it's 2,300 pounds or 2,550 or whatever it may be. Um, and so they, they pull out the POH and start looking for it. And a lot of times they're looking for it, um, just written down in, in text format, which it, it, it probably is somewhere, but if you you just go to the weight and balance section and you find the, uh, the, the graphic, uh, depiction of the, 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 the envelope, if you look at the top line, you know, usually the, the weight goes up and down and the CG is on the bottom uh, the x-axis, if you will, um, if you just look at the the very top of the chart and find out what the weight is up there, that is in all likelihood the the max gross takeoff weight of your airplane. And and I when I teach, I I say you know it is called weight and balance. Okay, it's actually two problems, and I, I think we would all agree that the weight element of it is is nothing more than addition and subtraction. Now, when we get into the balance, we have the arm, the weight times the arm equals the moment and all that kind of stuff. But um, just calculate the weight portion first, because if you're, 
if you don't meet the, the weight limitations, well, we can't go anyway. All right. So fix the weight first and then look at the balance. Just say, and, and again, the weight is just adding things up. If you know what the, the weight of the airplane is, it weighs, um, let's just make nice round numbers. Let's say we have an airplane that weighs 1,500 pounds is the, the empty weight of the airplane. And then we've got two people who each weigh 200 pounds. Okay, now we're up to 1,900 pounds. And we have 50 gallons of fuel, which is 300 pounds, 50 times 6. So now we're at 2,200 pounds. And we've got um, 400 pounds worth of baggage or freight, luggage, whatever. We're at 2,600 pounds. Well, we can't go. We are 100 pounds overweight, so it doesn't even matter where that um, the center of gravity is because we're too heavy. So we need we need to make some adjustments before we even get into figuring out the balance portion. So you don't take the pilot out, though. You take other things out of the aircraft. Exactly, exactly. And 400 pounds is a lot of stuff. I'm not sure in that scenario what you'd be taking with you, but uh, get rid of 100 pounds worth of bricks or whatever. And, um, and then, then do, do the balance portion, but be, you know, you need to be familiar with your airplane and, you know, when you, when you enter your stuff in, um, your electronic flight bag, a four flight, whatever, um, you know, the old saying of garbage in garbage out, if you put wrong data in there, obviously you're going to get wrong weight and balance information. So, uh, don't just trust your calculations. When you enter that data, um, you need to go in and do some manual weight and balance scenarios and, and then do some on your EFB and make sure they come out the same. Yeah, you surely wouldn't want to just copy someone else's rendition, right? right. Imagine we all have played the game past the word, I'm assuming, in elementary school, and it never works out. Right. If you if I let you borrow my data from my entry of my 182, and then someone borrowed your data from your entry of the 182, and then someone did that for their 182, that's not the same numbers, right? It, right. it might be a really close PH. Right. Uh, we just talked about one of our students who bought a 182 and was talking about the difference in landing characteristics. And I'm like, that's that's odd to me that your 182 from 2004 would be just that much different than my 182 from 2004. And he goes, oh, don't forget, I have an air conditioner. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. – because it's only 60 pounds. And I'm like, well, 60 pounds, if you think in the grand scheme of things, uh, useful load in a 182 is – 1100 1200 pounds a lot of that's fuel half that's fuel or a third of that's fuel mm -hmm. 60 pounds is is a good chunk of that remaining let that's six percent seven percent of the remaining amount yeah. maybe that's yeah. a lot of weight right. so put all that in the back of the plane where his is installed that's going to make that plane land a little bit different than one that doesn't have that so yeah um i surely wouldn't want to copy my numbers into his flight bag and then him use it and forget about that 60 pounds because that could really hurt somebody. Yeah, and that's that's an excellent point to think about. You know, uh, summertime around here, everybody's saying, oh, boy, I wish we had an airplane with air conditioning. 
And it's something to think about if, if you know, you're ever considering adding air conditioning, you're going to add weight, which is going to take away from your, your payload. And, and you need to factor that in. I know in my, uh, 172, I have a, uh, which is, which is kind of cool. The, the, the useful load of my 172 is 777, and that just happens to be the airplane I'm going to training on in, <laughs> in just a few days. Um, but I know my uh, my useful load is seven, 777 pounds, and with 40 pounds of usable fuel, that's 240. So um, you you subtract that from 777, and you get 200, 537 pounds of, of stuff, people, people and, and luggage. So if you have... Uh, you know, uh, can you put three people in the airplane with full fuel? Well, you gotta you gotta figure out what the weight of the three people are. Probably not with me in it. I need right. to lose some weight while. Right. I, um, the where just just this... hold your breath. Just yeah. hold your breath. That, that works, right? What uh, where does all this information come from? So hopefully we got some trained pilots out there. But uh, for those new pilots that are listening, I would first pull out a POH to get all the information. Probably use their numbers, their sample problems to, to practice. It's in the section six of any newer, newer style POHs should be in section six of the POH weight and balance. And then obviously you need the weight and balance of the aircraft. Uh, where does that come from? Wally, when we, you know, the plane comes from the factory, it's got a weight and balance in the POH, but what do you think the current weight and balance, what do you think the most recent weight and balance came from for your aircraft yeah well in in my airplane it's it's actually in the the maintenance logs and then we put a little revision in the 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 poh that that tells what the actual numbers are because anytime you add something uh from a maintenance standpoint and add a an equipment or or take away anything or or technically if you take off uh um you know one piece of equipment and add a new one, you need to figure out what the weight difference are because just because it's a, you took out an altimeter and put in a new altimeter, it doesn't necessarily mean they're the same weight. They could be a half a pound different and, and, uh, you really should, that should be calculated into the new weight and balance of the airplane. So there's times where we might weigh a plane, actually putting it on scales and having it weighed, which would they then someone who's I guess certified or trained to do that would tell the weights the weight amounts and the stations that they're in and the balance of that aircraft in its current state. Um, there's also calculated weight balances, which is what you're referring to, where we might uh, remove something somewhat inconsequential and replace it with something that's inconsequential. Um, and I'm I'm sure at some point if you did that ten or twenty times you would probably want to put that plane back on scales. Yeah. Kind of my rule of thumb. Uh, we have fourteen aircraft in this fleet here, and if I was going to buy another aircraft or put another aircraft on the line, I would I would want to weigh it. I think it's a it's a great time to spend a few hundred bucks and make sure that you have a new crisp on the scales weight. But if we were to change. Uh, just recently, uh, we had Mike Bush on the show a while back. He talked me into buying some engine monitors. I put those engine monitors in, which means we got rid of a lot of small pieces of equipment in that cockpit. Uh, the uh, tachometer went away. The fuel gauges went away. And really, my mechanic just weighed all that stuff on a desktop scale 
and took that weight out from that station and then put the engine monitor in in that station uh, and did a calculated weight and balance, which is the most recent weight and balance on that aircraft. And it is what you would need to use if you were going to calculate the weight and balance for a check ride with Wally. Um, because you would use the, the POH numbers for max and empty weight, and then you would take this uh, new weight and balance that the mechanic calculated and put it on there. Um, when else might you weigh a plane, Wally, if you hadn't actually weighed a plane? Well, I, th- I think your your thought of if, if you're buying an airplane, that's it's probably not a bad idea. I've I bought a couple airplanes, and I have not done that, but that's probably not a bad idea to do that um you know i know when you when you when you buy an airplane uh a lot of times you'll they'll say oh it'll true out at 150 miles per hour they're always going to almost always going to give you the 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 airspeed and first of all they're going to give you miles per hour because that's higher yeah it sounds better and they're probably going to give you true airspeed rather than indicated and really what i want to know is what's the indicated airspeed in knots okay 106 okay 106 is a lot different from 150 yeah um but same with weight i mean obviously you want when you buy an airplane you want want something with lots of payload okay yep. because you can put or useful load you can put lots of stuff in there and we can fly a really long time and you know it does change over time but th- another time to think about is after the airplane's been painted um, because you're taking a lot of paint off an airplane you're putting a lot of paint back on an airplane and 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 you know Colored paint has more pigment to it, so colored paint weighs a little bit more than white paint. Yeah, and so if you think about a gallon of paint, I don't know when the last time you picked up a gallon of paint was, but it's not inconsequential. Right. You wouldn't put 12 of those in the back baggage compartment and not really know what the weight was you were adding to an air, aircraft. Right. And I'm not sure exactly how many gallons of paint it takes to paint an aircraft. If you know, send us a note uh, via social media. But the net of it is it's a lot more weight than you probably think it is. Right. And you would want to do that. Um, but uh, anything else I don't think – I would change. Uh, I wouldn't feel obligated to go weigh the aircraft unless it was buy- buying it or I was painting it. I might do it in those two two instances um, for sure. So with that, another place you can find information about weight and balance, the FAA has a free handbook. It's the weight and balance handbook, much like the pilot handbook of aeronautical knowledge. It's out there. It's available for free. It's a pretty beefy book, right? It's, it's seven or eight chapters talks about commuter airlines, big airlines, talks about light ultralight aircraft and how they're how they need to be how you need to be thoughtful if you're going to fly those type of aircraft. Um, but once I pull all this data together and I know how to calculate it, I think there's some big numbers you want to know. Like you said, I'd want to know max weight on any aircraft I was going to fly. And I'd want to know how I was what my weight was in relationship to that max number. Right. I'd want to know ramp weight empty weight, what that payload capability is. Um, as you said, if you had a Cessna and had an air conditioner in it, um, just for giggles, we'll say it had really heavy paint and all you could do was put 20 gallons in it and one and a half people, that would not be a very good plane to buy. Probably you're right. not going to get much out of it. What are you going to do? Right. Um, as you said, you'd want, I'd look, I'm looking for that four digit number, something in the thousand plus range, yeah. which is like a one eighty two. But what I also find odd is my friends, 
They go, I can't believe you don't have a five-seat aircraft. Like, none of your planes have five seats. They're all four-seaters. And I'm like, well, the twin, you could put six seats in it, but you can't go anywhere. You're not going to put six human beings in there. And they're perplexed. They don't know. They're not pilots. They're from the outside looking in going, well, why not? And there is this, we all learn this early on in our training. There are four forces of flight. Something opposes weight. And to create that much lift, these small single twin engine aircraft, light twins just don't have enough lift to overcome that much weight. And, uh, that's what we're doing with all this process and procedure to figure this stuff out. Um, I could, we could probably search the internet and find hundreds of them, but there's, there's been a lot of accidents because of planes that are overweight. Right. And right. You search that on the internet. You'll find a lot of things, uh, videos of planes not getting off the ground, probably some fake stuff out there too. But I can remember early in my training, I, I saw, a video of what it was either a warrior archer bonanza a low-wing aircraft that's going down the runway it kind of comes off the ground goes back on the ground comes off the ground goes back on the ground and i just gotta think that's got to be a freaky feeling if you're overloaded like that and and the plane wants to fly but the wings just can't create enough lift and in that incident they end up going off the runway and hitting a berm of some sort no one got i don't think anybody got really hurt too terribly bad but they tore up a really nice aircraft for sure um and it's one that but it does keep me up at night i'm afraid people don't do enough to think about what i should do to take things out of the aircraft if i'm overweight um three big boys in a in a 172 ain't gonna work i can assure you it's just not gonna get it done especially with full fuel and we talk about we all know how to put fuel in a plane i hope it's the taking fuel out that's probably not as easy for people or right. maybe hasn't been taught as much. But uh, I would assume you give calculations on check rides for these type of examples? Yeah, I do. And, and you know, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know um, I like to talk about fuel, 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 fuel. And, uh, you know, that's the one thing that the, this airplane cannot fly without. We need fuel. And you would almost um expect that that my expectations were that we want to take full fuel all the time but there's just times where full fuel isn't going to work and uh, that's when you have to look and you have to say okay boy i am landing with three hours of fuel can we is it within my personal minimums to land with two hours of fuel and maybe an hour's worth of fuel is is um, 15 gallons. That's 90 pounds. And if we're 80 pounds overweight, well, boy, we could take off the 15 gallons. And now we're 10 pounds under max takeoff weight. Uh, so does that, again, does the two landing with two hours of fuel still meet my personal minimums? It may or may not. But um, if it does. Well, if we were going to go to Conroe today to yeah. eat lunch. Yeah, that's uh, twelve minutes. Even if we got diverted, probably yeah, a little bit. So you know, we we don't we still want to stick to our personal minimums. But what if we said we want to land with an hour of fuel, no matter what? Hour and fifteen minutes of fuel is probably like you said, fifteen gallons in a Cessna one seventy two. Um, we 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 take we could take a lot of fuel out of those aircraft if yeah. we wanted to and be completely safe. Yeah, to go to Conroe and come back for yeah. sure. And and I think something else we don't 
we don't understand is is for the most part we are focused uh, again student pilots are focused on uh, forward CG is is the best I want my CG as forward as possible well there are actually advantages to an aft CG with an aft CG and, and now again well, I'm not saying out of the limits but as long as we're within the limits uh, you know, an FCG, you are going to get a higher true airspeed. So that airplane is going to fly fly faster. Higher airspeed equates to a higher ground speed, okay, and better miles per gallon. You uh, think that that's because they've blown all those stalls and they just want the nose to go over so much? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But there are, we do have advantages to an FCG. And, in fact, um, you know, that's where the, the airlines try to, try to get the CG is towards the aft end. And with that in mind, uh, with the airlines, we have, we have a dedicated person who does our load planning, and he's called a load planner, or she. So uh, j- just to give you an idea, I mean, that's, that's how important it is. You know, before a flight leaves the ground, I mean, there's, there's hundreds of, well, I won't say hundreds, but there's a lot of people that are involved in the dispatch of that, that airplane. You know, we have maintenance people taking care of the airplane. We have a dispatcher who's planning our route of flight and, and our altitude and fuel requirements and all that kind of stuff. But we have a load planner that will tell the, the ground personnel, okay, we have, um, you know, we have 3,000 pounds of mail today. That needs to go in the aft cargo bin or the forward cargo bin, depending on the on the situation. Um, we have maybe we don't have a lot of people on board today, so we need to block row seven through eleven, um, and and you know put everybody toward the back of the airplane. So just the fact that I mean, there's a dedicated person that figures out how to load a given airplane tells you how important it is. Yeah, I would think it's obviously critical, and the, the 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 level of oversight is bigger probably because of the passengers and the rules and regulations around uh, flying people and pass, passengers and payload like that. But we should not take it any lighter just because we're going to take our family on a short hop somewhere. We we should do our calculations and make sure it's right. We talked a little bit about balance, and in a twin, it's different. Uh, we fly we fly a travel air at this flight school, which is considered a baby baron. It's got uh, two 180 horsepower engines. They both rotate the same way the props do. And to not get into multi-engine training on this one, maybe we'll do a behind the props show soon. It really is about critical engine and, and the effects uh, that the balance could have on a twin that may give us, unfortunately, the potential to lose control, right? Yeah. Um, and again, lots of what you're learning in t- multi-engine training, uh, you you demonstrate and you learn what VMC is and what a critical engine is. And once once at low airspeeds, i.e., takeoff, if we lose an engine and we lo- and we uh, we we lose the critical engine, we might have we have, might have some forces that really weight could cause some real problems with, and we could lose rudder control or rudder rudder. Uh, the ability to use that rudder. Yeah. Rudder authority. Rudder authority is the right word. That's from a DP there. And if I lose that rudder authority, uh, it could be really, really bad for the aircraft and the people in that plane. 
So we, we want to think about that. And in my twin that we have at this flight school, we actually have 100 pounds in the, in the nose baggage compartment that's written all over everything so people know it's up there. But it is to help improve some of that center of gravity um, based on two or three, two people in the front seats or two people uh, flying that aircraft during training to make sure that it doesn't get more aft because that's where we're going to lose the ability to use that rudder. Yeah, yeah. Multi-engine training adds a whole new element. All the factors that that are in play with a single-engine airplane are in play with a multi-engine airplane, but now we have some some different things. Uh, you know, if the airplane gets slow enough and, uh, uh, you know, we could lose the ability to be able to maintain controllability using the rudder. And that's what VMC, that's velocity minimum controllable, minimum controllable airspeed. And uh, that's the bulk of your multi-engine training is going to be centered around that whole concept. So uh, uh, weight and balance becomes a little bit more critical in a multi-engine airplane. No question. Um, what about, uh, we talked before we started recording about a story that you had um, when, from your freight days. You want to tell that story to the listeners? Yeah, I used to, I used to fly um, canceled checks prior to 9-11. Um, uh, that was an industry that existed. Everything's digital now. But um, uh, there were all kinds of airplanes flying canceled checks all over the country at night. Uh, they'd have to go from the local banks to the Federal Reserve Bank. Anyway, I, I worked for a company, and we we did that. We I flew from Monroe, Louisiana, to New Orleans, back to Monroe, to Dallas, to Shreveport, and back to Monroe four nights a week. And I flew it in a Baron. And our contract um, that we had, the, 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 the FBO, uh, called for, um, and, and I'm... I'm making up the numbers. I'm not sure exactly what they were, but I'm going to say that our contract called for 800 pounds of freight of canceled checks each night. And typically when, when the, the guy would come out with the bags, we'd have 16 bags and they'd all be about the same. So 800 divided by 16, it's about 50 pounds per bag. And I would usually help, help the guy put the, the bags in the airplane and I would put as many in the nose of the airplane as I could and the rest would go on the back of the airplane and of course it's part 135 so we were required to do a weight and balance every night and um you know 50 pounds 50 pounds per bag right and I would have to lift them up and put them in the nose compartment and I just uh you know 50 pounds that's a lot of weight and I, I would kind of struggle with these 50 pound bags putting them in the nose compartment and after we did this um for a few nights um, after I got off work one day, I went over to my parents' house, and and uh, their dog needed to go to the vet. And, and so I offered to take the dog to the vet. And so we, we go to the vet's office, and we go in, and and uh, we go back to the, the treatment room, and they want him up on the table. And I reach down, and I pick him up, and I put him up on the table. And, and the dog weighed 80 pounds. And I just, I looked at that and I went, holy cow, I, I had absolutely no problem lifting up an 80 pound dog, but I'm struggling with these 50 pound bags every night. And they're so, paying by the weight, I'm assuming. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was, it was contracted. Yeah, it was contracted for 800 pounds a night. So as soon as we, we got the dog all taken care of, I took him back to my parents' house. I went back out to the airport and I, I found my boss and I said, hey, 
Uh, I don't think we are taking 800 pounds of freight every night. I think it's a lot, a lot heavier. And so that night he said, okay, we're going to, we're going to weigh the bags. And those, those 50 pound bags were more like 90 pounds. And so I think the next day there was a little renegotiation between us and the, the freight company. Well, that's true. We have a scale here that we weigh stuff. If, if people are putting things in the planes and I can't, I, I struggle every time that there's a uh, a female acquaintance going with us and we ask their weight and they give you their weight and I, I want to know, male or female, whether they're telling the truth. If they're, you know, if I told you I was 180, you'd probably question that, I hope, Wally. I'm not the 180 anymore that I used to be. And and you just got to be honest. You got to know what your bags weigh. I think the more we put into these planes – the things add up. You don't want to get overweight. It'd yeah. be a very bad outcome for sure. I know. I've gone on many um, uh, excursions up in Alaska, you know, little float plane uh, excursions here and there. And and when you call the book, they always ask you your weight. And then uh, just if, if you ever do this, just be ready because when you get there, you're going to have to step on a scale. So uh, it, it doesn't really do you any good to lie. I mean, we all want to say, yeah, well, 105 you know, 190 190 oops yep. i'm i meant 230 yeah it, it doesn't work so you're gonna get caught i just recently went to the uh the doctor for my annual checkup not medical checkup my real personal family doctor and the first thing they do is they take your blood pressure and they put you on the scale right and i've got my iphone and my wallet and i carry a little flashlight and my keys and of course, when I get on a scale, I want to take all that out and put it on the seat. So I do that. And then on the scale, I'm still more than I normally am at home, right? When I right. check it there. And of course, that's the clothes and everything you got got on. But I'm thinking that iPhone and that wallet and that key and all these other smart things I have in my pocket, that's another five or six pounds. So I just reached down and picked it up and I was like, hmm, the number I put in ForeFlight every time has gone up because I'm not leaving the phone and the keys and the right. wallet and everything right. at the FBO or at the flight school. I, I have all that with me too. So you need to give an honest weight. You need to know what you really weigh with all that stuff in your pocket because yeah. it, it's probably different for yeah. sure. And, you know, God forbid if you, you are in an accident or even an incident, um, that's one thing that's going to get looked at. They are going to find out, um, you know, if, if the airplane is in – a not good condition and, and fuel is possibly leaked out. Um, you know, they're going to look at fuel records and they're going to find out what that airplane took off with as best they can tell. And, uh, you know, they're going to look at everything on board the airplane. So that, that will get looked at. No question. Um, anything to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's, that's about it. All right. As always. And now we'll include this for this show. Do your weight and balance fly safe and stay behind the prop. Thanks for checking out the Behind the Prop podcast. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out online at BehindTheProp.com. Behind the Prop is recorded in Houston, Texas. Creator and host is Bobby Doss. Co-host is Wally Mulhern. The show is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to replace actual flight instruction. Thanks for listening and remember, fly safe.